What's going on guys? George, Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel. Thanks for joining us on another episode. This is episode eight of the Winter Series. Uh, if anybody's counting, <laughs> I don't think anybody's actually counting. Casey, what's going on, brother? Not a whole lot, man. Just getting ready to, uh, you know what's cool? You know what's cool that I just now thought of after looking out? It's actually sunny outside right now. Finally, the sun's actually staying out for us for a decent amount of time throughout the day. We got a little bit of Motor Mania to watch this weekend, George. It's a good point. It's a good point. This is uh is that CP's race? I believe that's CP's race, man. I wish I was able to get down there. I'm not ready to go yet, is the only thing. And so I won't be traveling to good old good old Louisiana to 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 eat some crawfish. It definitely sounds real good right about now. Uh, but, I had some uh, of that about two, three days ago. One too bad. Good stuff, man. Especially the spicy one. I'm a, I love spicy, so <laughs> me and uh me and uh, Louisiana could probably be great friends when it comes to food. There, everything tastes good there, as far as from what I've heard. I've never actually been. Have you ever been to Louisiana? I think you have, haven't you? Man, I've been everywhere. You know that. I did all that uh, traveling on the road for work for about eight or nine years. So uh, yes, I've been everywhere. I've been to Alaska in January, and I've been to uh, Key West in July. I've been everywhere. So right. yes, <laughs> I thought so. We got everybody tuning in over here. I see Will Newman. What's up, Will? Hey, man, we need to get back together sometime soon. I was telling Casey, maybe we need to plan a trip just to get out of the country. Hey, maybe we can just bring all of GBR, Casey. What do you think, dude? Just get a get a list together, throw it on GBR and say, let's go. Let's go uh, to a resort and have some fun. See how many people actually show up. That'd be pretty fun. Be I don't know what you think. It'd be a party, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> It'd be pretty fun. Uh, fix and use race cars. Crawfish is the best. I agree. I see Champ in here. What's going on? I see Troy coming in. What's going on, man? I think we got a good topic today. What do you think, Casey? Yeah, man. I I just randomly had this cross my mind a little bit earlier today uh, where people, you know, people are always talking down about old cars and stuff like that, man. And, uh, you know, I've had my fair share of good buys and bad buys throughout the years. But at the end of the day, man, at some point, wasn't every car brand new? which would mean at some point every car can only really be so bad and if you think certain things are bad cut the bad part out and put new stuff in it uh, so my idea was that the actual question that i put up on the facebook page was given the option would you buy an older drag car that needs work for half the price or do you want to buy a brand new ready to run type car what what would be your opinion on something like that because i noticed you didn't chime in yeah, yeah, and I I don't know why I didn't chime in. I was you know I was sitting there reading all the comments and 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 actually enjoying the the conversation there. Um, I myself I I'm like most of the people here at the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel, if I could say so. Um, I'm gonna buy old and, and turn it to new. Uh, one guy mentioned kind of how I feel about things that you know I'll um, you know by the time you get done changing everything on it, it's gonna be. To make it your own, it's it's going to practically be new in the first place, right? So, um, the way I see it is, I do like the feel of some of the older built cars. Not that, um, especially door cars. Both of us own door cars, right? Um, but not that the the newer cars just built substantially better. I think some of the older cars are pretty well put together, pretty good from from a chassis standpoint in the first place. So, right. I, I mean. I know that a lot of people still build these door cars and, and things of that nature, but man, there's, there's a lot of good things that are out there. For instance, my door truck, 1990, uh, actually, sorry, 89 S10. And 
I think it's put together pretty good. I hadn't changed the thing on it. Thing runs that on just about every time. So I don't, I don't see anything wrong by an old. Where are you at with it? Man, the, uh, like I said, I've been on both sides of the coin. Uh, a lot of times, I mean, you can, you can bury stuff in, uh, in cars every once in a while that people won't notice till they really get into it and find one thing and one thing and one thing. Um, uh, you know, but at the same time, here's, here's the bottom line, George. It's just like anything that you do in life. If you get in something right, you're always in it right because typically prices don't really go that far down. So if you can find something right place, right time type of scenario, and get in something for like if you could get in a, a really nice back half door car for maybe like you know 10 or 15 depending on what type of car it is i mean say 66 67 chevy twos right now if you found a roller like that for say fifteen thousand dollars and it was in good shape i mean that thing's a steal because you get that thing running it's going to sell for 35 all day long because it's one of the most desirable race cars out there that's correct but and again but but how often are we seeing these cars built is, is another thing I go to. There's only um, so many. There is. It, and it's not like people are still building your Novas, your, your old school Novas, your Chevelles. I mean, I know you guys, Casey, have built two nice looking Chevelles. And I think uh, Botzell's got one you guys are working on, if I saw that correctly. So yep. there, there's not a, old, a lot of old cars being built all the time. Most of the time is the newer the newer type of cars or it's a dragster so i don't know that's kind of my thought process i do like the old school feel of things as we got brian jennon he's, he's tuning in from the pacific northwest he says he still has two months to wait for race season hey welcome in the show man and uh hopefully we don't we don't make it too bad to get back behind the wheel you know i'm i think i'm two weeks away from go time uh if i if i counted that right i see kevin Owen in the house I know he's at least two weeks. I wonder if he heading down uh, to uh, Louisiana right now. But sorry to get off subject. Anyway, keep going. I'd say there's one thing for certain that uh, old Kev's going to hit up, and I'm sure that's Paige Hamlin's race. And uh, by the way, guys, little inside uh, drag racing over here, Paige Hamlin's going to be on the show next week. She's going to tell us all about that six-shooter. Uh, what is it? Is it called six-shooter shootout? Is that is that like – is six-shooter – Similar to like Loose Rocker, the name of the series, or how does that work, George? You know, and right now, and I'm I'm not going to answer very many questions. That way, that way, you guys can tune in next week and get all of those answers directly from the source. You don't have to have me guessing at things. You know what I mean? But so far, I think she's got one race going, just one right now. And uh, right now, I'm just going to take the time since we're on the subject. I'm going to slide that race in and let you guys get a look at this format, get a look at this race, and see what you think about it. But uh, Paige Hamlin at, over at Hamlin Mot uh, Motorsports putting on a, a what I would call a very decent, very, very decent race for the Texas area. You hardly ever see them this large. Um, so Texas, stand up, show out, bring bring your cars. Let's 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 go ahead and support our own promoter of the area here in Texas. Now I know CP comes down here and puts on some races too. You know what I mean? So taking nothing from anybody. But here's a race for you, six-shooter. Uh, that six-shooter shootout, a 64-car shootout she's having in there. I want to say she opened up the entry to that thing, Casey. It may have sold out in two hours. So if you it were thinking up, of... Man, how, how, where are you going to race 64 cars in a in a top ET race? 64 cars for $500 to win $20,000. And it, this is the thing, George. 
it's going to roll up on this screen here pretty soon. I don't, I don't see it right now. Maybe I do have it up right now. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. But uh, whenever it rolls across the screen, you'll see what a deal it is here because I think they're still paying runner-up and semis to that race too. They are, and they're going back. They're going back quite a ways. And of course, that's the one thing. There it is, right here. Sixty-four car shootout um and uh twenty thousand to the winner 500 to enter sorry about that 500 to enter it um mm -hmm. i'm gonna slide us back in casey we're back on camera now but 500 to enter the thing five thousand to runner up the thing a thousand to the semis 500 to the quarters payout based on a full field well it's full and then i think there's like 15 alternates so it will be full <laughs> Congratulations for the 64 car shootout being a huge success. Great job. Great job. Great job, guys, who's who's coming. I've seen Kevinoids in it. I've seen Kendall's in it. Uh, I've seen the Pennington's. I've seen the Glitties. They're in it, man. They're in it. And Motor Mania is going to be streaming the whole thing. So, shoot, you guys are going to get some uh, some stuff to watch then, too, in April. So, That's um, right. it's going to be a heck of a race, man. If you guys are headed out there besides Kevinoid, leave something in the chat. Let us know you're headed, but uh, you're headed there. But uh, yeah, we got uh, so back on our original subject, we got Troy in here saying buying an older roller brought down the entry barrier once I had it. And then it's been easy to stay motivated and spread out costs of getting it ready. Yeah, that's true, man. The uh, basically the cool part about buying an older car is you can eventually make that car uh, like, for example, <clears throat> let's say you buy a 6.0 certifiable chromoly tube chassis car, whatever it is, some sort of door car. Because of the fact that, you know, 6.0 cars, they, they change things year to year. You might need to add a bar here, add a bar here, but it's not building an entire car. It's literally welding a, a gusset in here or a bar in here at this angle and something like that just to sturdy up the actual driver's cockpit area because that's actually the only area they certify. They don't actually care about the rest of the car anyway, first of all, which is very weird to me. But, mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, the point is, is that you could buy something that, for example, you could buy an old pro stock car, something that was a pro stock car in the early 2000s that hasn't been able to be in any class other than maybe comp or super gas. Guess what? Now you get all those titanium parts for pennies on the dollar. I mean, that's stuff that the average guy like us, we could never afford titanium parts. I mean, some of these things, they got like, they got titanium everywhere. They have them all throughout the rear end. They got wheelie bars. They got all this stuff. And you're talking, yeah, it's still going to be like $40,000 roller. But you got to think in terms of when that car was new, it was probably $200,000. So if you want to really get top of the line, high end stuff, that's the way you do it. It's true. It's true. Why not, though, you know, and, and, and get that type of car? If you got that type of money, if I had enough money to do it, do you think I'd have an old one or a new one? Uh, I, I kind of feel you guys asking me that question. I'd probably still have an older door car. I'm a fan of older hot rods. Number two, uh, there was a guy outside just today. I was out there working on a truck, tinkering around, getting some spark plugs uh, into the truck. And and I'm in to tell you, the guy's like, oh, you got a hot rod. I like that feeling. I like whenever somebody walks up on an older car and they're like, okay, I used to have one of those back in my time. That was my first car, like your Nova, Casey. I bet you half the time you'll get a lot of people to show up on you and say, man, I used to drive one of those back and forth to school. You know what I mean? In high school. So I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to have a, a brand new Camaro or, or a car like that. I know I'm never going to own an S10, you know, that's brand new because 
what am I going to do in an S10 right now? You know what I mean? Nothing. Right? So um, we got some things going on here. I see Brian Garrett in here. He says, do not buy a Mopar. Nothing is cheap. Yeah, that's the truth. Man, and you just bought that. Was it a demon or a Hellcat? I can't remember. I think it's a demon. But, dude, he's, he's got that. And he's got his uh, he's got his other Mopar sitting there. So that's the Mopar man right there. <laughs> hey, man, I was actually talking to Dylan Champion earlier. He said now he's going to have to... Uh, now he's going to have to put a transmission in his car because he's going through the woes of he bought a car and his car is a, a good car, the car itself. But he upgraded the motor and now the motor kind of burnt the transmission out. And now he's going to upgrade that. But the thing is, once this is this is the point, he's raced it for what, two years now? Chat, put in the chat how many years you've had that car. But the point is, he he bought the car, he's raced the car, he's made a lot of laps in the car. And slowly he's building it up into this thing that is going to be basically brand new and now right. he didn't have to come out of pocket forty thousand dollars all at once to build this car the way it is now right you know? right we got david statham in here too not to cut you off right because we're coming right back to that but david statham i want to say david's in uh he's in he's in south texas right somewhere a little bit further but he's going to be up here uh at xrp for that race david man bring hopefully we have enough spots man let's park all park closest together as possible as gbr followers and and I'll have a handful of stickers uh, um, with me, too. I think I got about 500 of those, 250 for me, 250 for Casey. So I have 250. By the way, we're going to have those on the web page, too. If you guys want to want to have some, we're going to accept donations for it just to kind of do it, put a little bit back into the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel as best as we can. So we'll be posting that soon. I also got a pretty good amount of hats here, too, that I'll be uh, posting up. So. You know, if ooh, look at that red GBR. Oh my goodness! Look at that. I got I got a good box down here, so we'll have some 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 merchandise with us. But yeah, yeah, no. Back to what you were saying, old champ. I I feel for you, buddy. But hey, the race car is going to be all the better for it, right? Yeah, that's true, man. And uh, and we got I can't I can't let this slide here. We got George Hoff in here instigating with this Tesla comments over here. <laughs> But uh, he also says, he says, yeah, I wouldn't order an S10 either, George. Yeah, I, I wouldn't order an S10. <laughs> I see that. I see that. Hey, 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 uh, George Hoff, you, you want to drive it? You know, I think I didn't see your name in quite a few finals, man. You can screw the seats if you want to. I know you said you might not own one, but I'm pretty sure you drive one, right? <laughs> hey, just make sure you got those tree readers set up. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, guys, we come up on that 15-minute mark. We're going to uh, get some words from uh, good old Mr. BRG himself. Hang in there. We'll be right back after these messages. BRG Motorsports 3D Printed Racing Parts are able to provide you with whatever you desire to enhance your drag racing operation. Items like safety belt magnets, nitrous bottle holders, and even quick-release delay box mounts are able to be obtained from BRG Motorsports 3D Printed Racing Parts. Have a look at top selling items such as helmet hooks and steering wheel hooks, which are proven to make it easier to maneuver throughout your race car. You can contact BRG Motorsports 3D Printed Racing Parts at telephone number 765-729-1177. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. I'm laughing coming in. I'm sorry. Uh, BRG, thank you for everything that you do for going bracket racing and our followers. I know there's a lot of guys out there running BRG equipment. If you're not, head on over. I'm telling you, those seatbelt magnets save my my back. You know how when it's real hot in Texas and your seatbelts are metal, 
Well, you know, if you put your arm on there, it might leave the whole imprint as a burn on your arm. Yeah, you don't have to have that problem no more. BRG makes those magnets. Hide those bad boys back behind the seat. Keep them out of the sun. Keep them out of the way. Don't worry about getting on those shoulder belts uh, when you're getting into the car, man. But definitely big time shout out BRG, Brian Gary. You the man over there. Uh, I'm pretty sure we'll have some more coming to you. I think my dad was mentioning wanting to get some more stuff from you anyway. So, um Definitely. Thanks for what you do. I got to pick on George Hoff. He says he can't drive ducks to water. I don't believe you. I don't believe you at all, man. And uh, so, but um, I definitely don't blame you for not wanting to own a street, a street S10, not my race car. I think you might want that. That's, that's, well, Mo is nice. I, I don't mean to brag. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, the, uh, we actually have a have a comment in here from David Hearn saying build a new car will very rarely ever be profitable. A lot of older cars, uh, even needing updates, will increase value as in in value as time goes on. Yes, buying anything um, is the value goes down over time. And tell me right now, what is the difference between a brand new dragster in 2022? and a brand new dragster in 2019, because I can tell you the price difference is probably $15,000. Got you, got you. And guys, hey, sorry about that. I was cutting out the, the comment from David Hearn, where this is what we're talking about here, and, and my whole screen crashed again, just like it did before. So I know I'm back up and live. Sorry for that little cut in time there, but we're talking about building a new car will very rarely ever be profitable. A lot of older cars, even needing upgrade updates, will increase in value as time goes on. Casey, sorry to do it to you, but run back down what you just said, because I think a lot of people are gonna wanna hear that based on based on it. So uh, you might've lost YouTube for a second. It should be back up. Let me double check. Yeah, here it comes, here it comes. Sorry about that, here it comes. Go ahead, well, Casey. So basically the short story of it was just saying that what is, what is the difference between a dragster in 2022, a brand new car, versus say 2019, three years ago? Because the bottom line is the price difference is probably $15,000. So, but what's changed? I mean, other than the fact that yes, things are new. Yes, you know, like, and I'm talking new as in the tubes are brand new. But if you're that concerned about it, and I wouldn't be concerned about it 2019, but let's just go back to 2008. And let's say Troy and Gary Williams ran that car. So, you know, it has 7,000 runs on it, you know? So if that's the case, front half it and back half it, it's going to be cheaper than a brand new car. And it's a brand new car. Get a repowder coat that legitimately looks brand new. So what's the difference? Right. Good point. Good point. Yeah, man, I, I'm with you on that and uh, definitely feel that it's it's it's. It's not that much different. Yes, your internals are gonna be different. I think it's pretty much what most everybody would be thinking there, that the internals might be different. Yeah, you'll have a, um, maybe you'll have a 7AL2 or a 3 over the grid system. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's just those things that might be a little bit different. I'm still trying to get YouTube back up too, by the way, Casey. It's it's coming, but it's coming real slow. Uh, Facebook is definitely live, however. Cool. No, man, the, uh, I just, I really don't think that there's much technological advance per se, uh, not, not eons of technological advances ever since like maybe 2015 or so. I mean, you had back in the day, first of all, you had hardtail dragsters, then you ended up having four link cars. Uh, and then after that, you ended up having 
kind of a variation of four links and mono shocks with swing arms and wishbone type deals and stuff like that. <clears throat> but I mean, realistically, other than front suspension, now they're doing front suspension. I don't know how much of a difference that makes. Maybe somebody in the chat can tell me that has maybe a diamond car. I think the new Miller cars might have front front A-arm type stuff on them. Uh, if anybody knows anything about that, then uh, then definitely let us know. But I think all it could really do is be something that's maybe like a bumpy track or a pit road scenario. Or maybe, I guess, if you had a shock and you're leaving super, super hard, like super comp or something like that, uh, to get out of the hole real quick and get a, get a good light and get moving, then maybe it wouldn't pop the wheels out of the beams. That, that could be beneficial. I could see that happening. But I also know that Diamond, I think, first started by just front halfing cars and putting their front suspension on. Right, right, right. So, yeah, if you get a chance, look at the comments uh, in Facebook. I'm still trying to get the uh, the YouTube back, Casey. It's, uh, it's, I think it's out of Sean Pinkerton. He, he, he's got a pretty good comment there about pricing some of the things that uh, that are going up. As face, YouTube's coming back yeah. right now, guys. Sorry about that. Go ahead. So, so uh, Sean's saying, look at look at Deltas. He's talking about the weld wheels. Uh, those doubled in price this year. Wheels and tires now are about $12,000 of your, of your build budget. Yeah, that's 100% true, man, because the thing is, is that I was actually talking to to our buddy in a group chat at Abulia the other day. We were going back and forth, and he said Elite, though, uh, you can actually get some pretty sweet deals on their cars right now. Um, I don't know if, uh, I don't know what that adds up to, but like you said, Sean, I mean, bottom line, you've got to have wheels and tires. And if you're adding 12 grand, I mean, you're talking, that's a bare chassis right there. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I think I think that uh, that's, that's very, very, very similar to kind of what David Hearn is saying about profitability. Uh, he says he was thinking more towards uh, door cars than dragsters, but I think it probably triples down about the same uh, with door cars having the more expensive side of, in my opinion, it may cost more to rebuild a door car than a dragster. That's just me. I could be wrong. What do you think, Casey? Uh, you've, done, say, you've done it. So, yeah, I mean, right. Uh, I'm trying to look through this whole deal on the YouTube side right now. I think we have two separate things going right now, but it's good. It's good now, it looks like. So anyway, um, where are we going? Oh, so I've done both. It, it really all depends on how you can get in the car to begin with. Like, can you get in it right? What is what is the value of it? Because I can tell you right now, if, you, if you're in the market for a hardtail dragster, you can get a running car easily for $10,000 that'll go five ups. No problem. Right. Um, and the, the thing that I would do if I was really looking for a dragster or something like that, if you had the room and you had the time and you didn't mind having a hardtail car, if you race it somewhere like a, a Gateway International Raceway or a Galat Motorsports Park or a, or a XRP or something like that where it's smooth, then buy the hardtail car, race it until you can find a four-link car, right? Take everything out of the hardtail car and throw it in the woods. Because, you know, like put it up for sale for dirt cheap. But what you're buying when you buy a hardtail dragster right now, unless it's a brand new, like a newer top dragster or something like that, what you're buying is the drivetrain and the electronics and the wheels and tires and axles and stuff like that. You're not buying the dragster itself. When you're buying a new car, you're buying the chassis and all that stuff. But 
any hardtail car out there, if you're paying more than the motor transmission and axles and stuff like that's worth, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, and I don't know, man, because at the same time, it's always going to be preference. Either way you look at it, it's going to be preference. Uh, most of us, I ain't going to say most because I'm not sure of how many dragster drivers we have in this in this uh, in our community right now. But I know we have a lot of door car drivers in our community. And and so building a hardtail uh, versus building a door car doesn't really equate in our minds, in my opinion. We're, we're door car lovers. Uh, as I'm looking here, Jimmy Noble says they both break the bank. So way it goes, we're going to spend the money, you know. So that's why I think preference is kind of creeping in there. What do you guys think of besides what we've discussed so far? I see Sean Pinkerton talking about the struts make it ride like a caddy, but no performance. The monoshock front does all for performance advantages for wheels travel and keeping the front wheels in the beams. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I'm still going to, to stay on the side of it being definitely more more budget friendly for me to stay with the older car older cars there so definitely and the thing is is old door cars man the, the cool part about old door cars is the fact that if you if you're in the market for a back half car back half cars the reason why they always kind of hold their value is first of all there's a lot more car there so a lot of people the reason they hold their value is not necessarily because they're nice race cars it's because technically you could cut the cage out if you really wanted to do something if the car was at some point something that mattered you could cut the cage out and you could restore that car to a street vehicle relatively easily because you can go to year one and you can buy the entire belly pan and everything of like 69 camaros novas and stuff like that and weld it all back in it's not that big of a deal in fact they have in my town they have like a Thanksgiving festival type thing or Christmas time festival type thing. Well, they have a car show there. I was talking to a guy with a 72 Chevelle and I was like, man, that thing sounds pretty mean. He's like, yeah, it's because it has 496 in it. Mm. He has four mufflers on it to try to keep it quiet enough to drive down the road. <laughs> but uh, he said, I, I started asking him about it and I was like, man, I can't believe that, uh, that you didn't restore this back to stock because it looks pretty stock to me. And he said, well, actually, it used to be a race car, so there's really nothing stock about it. And he showed me where the, where the cage used to be welded in and stuff like that. And I was like, man, that seems like a hard way to do it. And he said, well, that's the only way you can find these cars anymore. They're already chopped, huh? That's right. So th the point is, is that we as racers think that, oh, only racers are bidding that price up. Well, that's not necessarily the case because you have your regular hot riders that want them too. True, true. Hey, pulling from Nick Caputo here. He's saying, I'm 850 certain my Vega from an eight-point cage, and I kind of wish I'd have did it years ago because cost and parts are cost and parts availability, I think is what he's trying to say there. Uh, but yeah, man, I don't I don't know what it takes to go uh to 850 certain in your Vega, but isn't that like a, a couple of bars, Casey? It's not a whole lot. The I don't know if you necessarily need the X bar. I think it's everything that's uh, everything other than a funny car cage. I think is what you technically need, and then uh, that'll. So typically, the rule of thumb is you need your roll cage, you need your roll bar to initially go ten ninety nine, and then I think there's a nine ninety nine that you need like a six point or something. Basically, has the down bar, and then your X bar and everything, I think 
basically everything other than a funny car cage gets you to 850, a funny car cage gets you to 750, and then it's all the same stuff with Molly that gets you to 6 up. I think. Gotcha. That's the gist of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Moving right along, straight in another David Hearn comment says, I always try to keep my back half door cars streetable. My horn is hooked up. Uh, my <laughs> horn is hooked to my bump down button. <laughs> if you hear me hopping, hopping like crazy, you know I missed the tree. What are you trying to tell on yourself? <laughs> no, but that's that's pretty cool. He's got his horn hooked up to the bump down. Well, and the thing is, man, is that everybody can say what they want, but I don't see people running to the fence to watch dragsters, but they're always running to the fence to watch door cars. And I would say 90% of the people out there would look at a cool door car, even though they have a 420 dragster sitting right next to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just, they just would. People... Because the thing is, is cars are so much more relatable. I mean, realistically, everybody can think what they want about that street outlaws stuff. Uh, you know, we all have our own thoughts on it. I'm never, I'm not really for or against it per se. But the reason that is, the reason that has so much viewership is because people can relate to those cars because they're a car. Like it's something that you could see yourself owning. Like maybe you wouldn't own anything nice. Maybe it wouldn't be fast. But for example, it's like, I, like I've been saying since they came out with that factory experimental class, uh, that's basically a pro stock with a real body on it. Yeah. You might have a six cylinder Camaro in high school, you know, that you got secondhand from your older brother or something, you know, and it might've been wrecked 15 times, but you still own a car that looks like that car going down the track. And that's the type of thing that matters and gets people involved with racing. I heard that, man. No, I heard that. Heck, heck of a heck of a topic. We sure thank you guys for for chiming in on Facebook this morning too. Casey, Casey dropped that post down and and kind of put a feeler and a teaser out there to see what you guys thought about this topic. Um, and so, uh, definitely, I'm still gonna. So, like I said, um, if you want to give it to me, I'm not gonna turn it down. But I am gonna err on the side of the older car. I shouldn't even call it error. I'm gonna favor the older cars over the newer ones. Um, so, uh, champ over here on the YouTube sides, we got that back up by the way. He says, uh, my car has full interior other than the seats and radio. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Sometimes I wish, uh, the OS 10 still had the air conditioner in it. You know what I mean? It gets so <laughs> hot here in Texas, but, uh, but, uh, that's here nor there. We got Randy Bowman in here. He says, my Z28 is a 25.5 cert 750. Nice. Nice. That bad boy can handle just about anything you want to throw at it. <laughs> That's right. And the, uh, and the, that car, if you didn't notice, that car has been on several GBR videos. Yep. So, with that, that real nice red one. That's yep. Randy's car. Yep. It's on, it's on our thumbnail today. As a matter of fact, he's kind of one of the first cars that I've seen with the going bracket racing logo, just big, huge off the, the down the side inspired me to get mine done even. So that's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Uh, I think I seen Kevin Oid say, uh, he's going to have a huge one on his to come beginning of the year too. So going bracket racing decals, uh, old syntax printing hooking us up with those things. So, uh, shout out to him and champ and all these other guys, TSR, uh, for doing what you do. So now, man, we, are you ready to move into the next topic? You want to cut to a commercial first or, or move right on in? Let's cut to a commercial and then, uh, and then we'll go into this next topic because it's going to be a good one, I think. That sounds good. We're going to get a couple words from our friends over at TSR. Hang in there.
TSR Racing Products has everything you need to make your Powerglide Turbo 350, Turbo 400, and 727 transmissions the best they can be on the street or at the track. With exceptional products, customer service, and over 30 years of experience, TSR Racing Products is always available to help their customers with any of their transmission needs. In-house machining ensures you only receive the best products from TSR Racing. Visit TSR Racing Products at tsr-racing.com or give them a call at 800-394. 5889. All right, all right. Welcome back to One Bracket Racing YouTube channel. If you're new to the channel, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. If you're on the Facebook side, make sure you hit the follow. Let us know what's going on by chatting in the uh in the chat list there on both sides, either YouTube or Facebook. But this is open discussion. Can't do it without TSR, guys. Thank you guys over at TSR for everything you do. Uh, and uh, definitely um, looking forward to the season using some new TSR racing parts. So, <laughs> uh, Casey, man, we got a couple couple comments over here. See, fix, fix, fixing used race cars. That for that first topic was probably pretty uh, pretty good for him. You know what I mean? Uh, about going back <laughs> from the older cars. But here's Draxner Jeff Kreider. He says, my daughter and I both drive. Um, they drive both a four-link rear rear motor and front motor dragsters, and a '77 Camaro and a '71 Vega. Uh, neither door car is street legal. <laughs> yes, that's probably that's probably fitting. Uh, but uh, definitely, I get it, man. So they've got the best of both worlds. You know what I mean? Um, that's how my dad is. Car, man. He's you got a front car. Very often. Right, right. I think I've seen somebody looking for one of those a couple of weeks back. I can't remember what his name was, but he said, hey, man, you know where I can find a front engine tractor? Like, I don't, but I know where you can find a rear engine one. I had one for sale at the time. I don't have one for sale anymore. But, but uh, you know, my old man, he's he's got one sitting there that he can get rid of if he wants to. But, yeah, definitely. I, I've never driven a tractor, uh, Jeff, and, and um, I, I'm looking to break that barrier here this year as well. So, man, next topic. I can Next tell you time. right now, they accelerate in second gear like they accelerate in first gear. And That's just, what's weird about them. It's like you're leaving the line twice, huh? It teaches you a whole lot whenever you finally run, uh, whenever you run dragsters. It teaches you a whole lot whenever you're running door cars. And it's something that I forgot for a long time, which was you look back and you're like, man, they're way back there. And then they're they're never going to get here. And all of a sudden, they just blow by and you're like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what I'm talking about. So... Here's a topic that I've wanted to get into for quite a while, actually. And uh, it's something that I wish we would have asked Tyler Bohannon on our stream last week because he was the one in the in, in it, you know. Uh, but it's teardowns at big money races. And I want to know what everybody's thoughts are because we kind of had some back and forth with it. And we've never really actually talked about the subject in full. But... I want to know what everybody's thoughts are on teardowns of big money races. As much money as we're winning anymore at these big money races, is it is it necessary now? And if it is, why are we only tearing down the winner? Shouldn't we tear down like at a certain point? Because, I mean, well, Jake got, I think, $90,000 for being in the semis. That's not little money either. No, no, it's not. And definitely a, com uh, a topic that I think is... I won't call it well-traveled, but I know it's in everybody's mind. Um, I don't think it's ever really been broken down well enough and, 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 on, and enough 
open discussion held over the topic in order to be cutting edge or or make some type of change happen. Uh, personally, and every remember, guys, go on Bracket Racing YouTube channel. We are opinionated. This is opinion. Half the time, Casey and I are going to disagree, and we don't even know it yet. Okay, this is unscripted. There's nothing scripted about what I'm about to say here. So uh, I'm definitely going to say that the teardown, in my opinion, be it at the big money races, be it at the 10 granders, be it at even the local tracks. If we get good enough at it, we won't have to tear them down anymore in the first place because now they know you're looking. OK, but man, if we want to stick straight to big money racing, random Random rounds. You're never going to tell anybody when you're tearing them down. You're definitely tearing down the finalists um, and anything. It, uh, we got some smart people out here. You guys might as well start spinning your mind around a device that will will catch it somehow. Somehow they're doing something that everybody knows that we can make a device and almost like scanning. Uh, I think I've seen this on TV, but it was Fast and the Furious where he scanned the car to see if there was a tracking device on it. And that little thing told him, well, I think we need to end up doing something along that line eventually as well. Costs money, I know. Um, this is, you know, all if, if money grew on trees, but, but definitely something that must happen. And we're, we're welcoming all comments here. Everyone is welcome to comment here. We want to know what you think about teardowns. Casey, where do you sit? Well, uh, well, first of all, I got to say, so George said in here, George Hoff, that is, said he got checked at four cars. They opened his door, looked at the wire, shook their head and shut the door. He said it But here's the thing, man, is that first of all, you got to know what you're looking for. Second of all, uh, what constitutes a teardown? Like, what is a teardown to begin with? Because is a teardown, uh, is a teardown taking the body panels off a car and looking at where the wires go? Um, you can't really do that in third round. You know, um, you can't uh, you can't go like they did for Tyler Bohannon where they took his axles out of the housing and all that stuff and the parachute out and all this stuff. You can't do that in between rounds. You can only do that for the winner. Man. So number one, what is a teardown? Are we just tracing wires, you know, or are we taking axle tubes out? Uh, it's a lot harder to tear down a door car than a dragster. Like you can't like, kind of like George said, you know, and like, for example, my firebird, how, like all you can do is take the front end off and you can take the doors off, but nothing else comes off. So what's your plan here? You know, like there's a lot of places to hide stuff on a door car. Whereas a dragster, you take all the body panels off. You can see anything you want. Man, George Hoff says he's got pictures to prove his wiring. Hey, George. Hey, man, head over to Facebook and put that in the uh, Going Bracket Racing community. And, uh, and I, I want to see that. <laughs> Go ahead. Here's a, uh, yes, that would be funny. Here's right. another thing. Alan Boykin just, just chimed in here. And uh, his race car is actually a street car. He doesn't even have, like, shoulder harnesses and stuff. Like, it's a legitimate, like, street car Mustang with just a, a pretty wound up small block in it but it has full interior and stuff like that. How you gonna tear that car down? <laughs> it's almost you like can't. a drug. You had to go through a whole drug inspection with the dog to get to you catch will. Alan Boykin, huh? <laughs> you gotta have him sniff it out. Hey, hey, Daddy, we're gonna know what you're up to. If you come out swinging this year, we're gonna know what you're up to. We're gonna get that dog out there. Man, we getting old Fido. Fido gonna check him out, <laughs> get everything taken care of. Hey, but but I see something uh, something in here from Sean Pinkerton. He says, and and this is a true statement, and it also goes along with the money doesn't go on trees comment, right? Tech inspectors 
is only is tech inspection is only as good as the tech inspector. Let's face it. They aren't going to tech school being put on the on, on by these companies who are producing the electronic equipment. I mean, it's the truth. It goes along with everything that we've said. You got number one, you got to know what you're looking for. Number two, you got to know somebody who's smart enough to look for it in the first place. Number three, all of the above, I guess. You know, I, I can't really go with number three except for, man, when you're teching, what are you looking for? When, when, and that is know, a man. question too, because the thing is, if you don't know what you're looking for, you have no business and and being tech at those races. And I think the races have gotten big enough now, where I think the I think the people have realized that are involved, like GABR and SFG and stuff like that. I think when they put on their massive mega races, I think that well, I mean clearly GABR, for example, they should they the cool thing I think GABR did that no one else has done is everyone else, you know, they say, yeah, we tore the guy down. And I'm sure they did. But GABR took pictures of it while it was happening. And you saw that whole car disassembled. And I think that that was a really cool thing that they did that nobody has ever done before. And they put it up for everybody to see and be like, look, it's legit. Tyler Bohannon won this race. Hey. And no questions asked. And, and, and that's the way it should be. As a matter of fact, every time somebody gets broken down, hey man, we got Facebook for a reason. Somebody go live while they're doing it. Who who cares? Put it out there. If they get caught one place, they're gonna caught everywhere. But I'm gonna go with TJ Phipps here and uh, and mention his comment and his opinion here. He says the cars are so good. What advantage do you really have? Even with devices, there are still so many other variables with your average car that play into it. I agree with that. I do. But there's still there there's still going to be those people who might might not have the car that is just that good, and maybe it's cheaper for them to put some type of device in the car that make it just that good. You know what I mean? But you make a valid point here because that's what everybody is continually saying. What's something that's constant across the board that everybody is saying right now? Cars are far better than what they used to be. Either way you shake it. I think we had Champ on the stream and he said, all you need is a car. You need to pay attention to the carburetor, the, the, the converter and the tires. And man, you're going to be in some good, some good ground. You know what I mean? So that's, that's a heck of a comment. I definitely, um, I definitely like that. I do. Um, and, um, never really, really thought about it in that manner, except for, I mean, if you, if, Think about it. If you can make it better, you're going to. And if this device does it and it was legal, well, you're going to have it. But since it's illegal, there's no way nobody's not doing it. And there, there's a reason for all these teardowns, you know. Well, the thing is, is, bottom line, there is there is enough money on the line now to to justify people doing it. Um, I mean, if there's a lot of people that if you can make a million dollars, they're uh, what do they what do they call that? You're right. Uh, how you feel about yourself and stuff like that. You're uh, not your self-esteem. I can't think of the word I'm looking for right now. But anyway, how everybody else perceives you is out the window because there's a million dollars on the line. There's people that are willing to sacrifice their reputation is what I'm saying. Sure. Uh, they're willing to sacrifice their reputation for that million dollars. People sure. are. Sure. Um, but here's another thing is why not do something like dirt track racers used to do this all the time and, and asphalt circle track racers used to do this, which is have a, uh, have a fund that you can come up with like something, something justifiable, not like $10,000, but if you want to tear a guy down, okay, wait till the race is over 
and put up a thousand dollars and give that thousand dollars to that guy for his time and tear him down. And you can watch while an official stands there and you take all the stuff off. And if somebody says, I want you to take this off, then you personally take that off. You know, you don't show up to the racetrack without tools, you know, take, take off whatever they have, let them see it, put it in their hands and give it back to you. And guess what? The end of the night, I'd be happy to go home with an extra thousand dollars because guess what? If they wanted to tear you down anyway, you didn't walk home with zero dollars anyway. <laughs> right, right. Hey, you walk home with a pretty good fistful. So I, I guess I would like to be in the position. Uh, I probably have to fly my dad out to put it all back together. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, rock. I'm, I'm not the greatest. Though. In, the, in the chat over here, he said he had no problem with anybody tearing him down as long as they help him put it back together. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm at. You know what I mean? It's like, well, dad, I got tore down. I want a hundred grand. I'll fly you out here. You put my car back together. I'll give you 10, you know, something. You know what I mean? But but uh, David Hearn chimes in, and I like this comment. I really do. David Hearn, my only cheating device is my KJP Alki car. Mr. Ken Jones himself. Hey, I got one of those, so I guess I'm cheating too. <laughs> yep. So here's, a, uh, here's another question, you know, pertaining to this whole teardown process is, why are people even worried about the teardown to begin with? Because I know there, whenever, whenever the initial, uh, whenever the whole deal with GABR where they showed the picture of Tyler getting so torn down, first of all, I don't think Tyler cared because he left with tons and tons and tons of money. So I don't think he cared. Second of all, uh, I just don't understand what everybody's beef is with, with tearing down a car after a race that big. Like I could understand if somebody's like, oh, you got $100 and now you're going to tear me down. No, we're not doing that. But, and I wouldn't do it for $1,000. But if you're winning 10 and up, I have no problem with you looking at it. If you're winning 50 and up, we can do a little bit more tear down. If we're winning over 100, you can do whatever you want. I don't care. I don't care if I race the rest of the weekend at that point. Right. And and, and to piggyback over what you said about Tyler Bohannon, just getting to know him just a little bit after the, uh, the last week's stream. If you missed it, go check it out. That was a good one. You know, but just getting to know Tyler, uh, he wasn't worried about his car getting tore down. He was worried about where's the near, where's the nearest cooler. Tyson Cole Michelob Ultra is on my mind at this point in time. So in that instance, wouldn't you be? I just won a million. I don't you can have my car, but. Put it back where here. Just drive it where you want to take it, and then bring it back when you're done. You know what I mean? Um, you know. So, but where's the cooler? That's what Tyler was thinking. That's what you'd be thinking, Casey. You know, I know because I'll be the one with the cooler bringing it to you. So, <laughs> there you have and it. Here's, and here's here's the other thing, man. Is like no matter what happens, people are never going to be satisfied either way. If you don't check the car at all, then they're going to say, okay, well they didn't even check the car, so there's something sketchy. And then they're going to say, oh, they tore the car down, but they didn't look at this thing. Oh, mm. they tore the car down and it had this on it. Mm. Well, it was unplugged, but they could have been using Bluetooth. I mean, it's like it doesn't matter, man, because unless somebody's standing there in person or doing it themselves, and even if they are doing it themselves, they'd probably get done with it, and not find anything and be like, well, I just don't know what I'm looking for. You well, know? And I'll tell you what, let's not let's not just leave the elephant out of the room. Let's just bring it right on in. Right. The reason why everybody is so tear down savvy right now, or let's ta let's tear it down, is because we have in our sport several, I won't say several, but here lately in the last three years, I can mention, 
You got your Nick Hastings beating the brakes off of everybody. Brakes, pads, rotors, don't matter. He was beating everybody's butt. Then before that, you had Kevin Pollard beating the crap out of everybody. Then you have you have um, Hunter Patton. Then you have your your um, Jeff Sarah. Those people were winning so frequently that people began to say, well, they just can't be that good. That's why we have teardowns in place, just so that you guys can understand and, and I can understand even myself. They, they are, are that good. They are that doggone good. That's why they're in the finals like this uh, and, and winning these types of races. And, and it's a question that everybody's asking, but there's your answer. That's why uh, teardowns are relevant. Right. To keep well, that like, particular thought process at bay. That's why they're relevant. Right. Well, it's like you sit here and you're like, why did why did John Force win all but one championship throughout the 90s? It's because it's not because any of those guys were poor. There was tons of money in, in funny car racing in the 90s. There was plenty of money out there. McDonald's was sponsoring, Winston was sponsoring. Right. Like it was because John Force was a great driver and Austin Coyle was even a better tuner. The mad science. Because they were better than everybody else. It's about I mean that's that's just a fact of the matter. I mean, I think between this year, I mean, Jeff Sarah proved this year. If Jeff Sarah was cheating, do you not think they would have caught him this year of all times? Because he did that last year and then he did it again this year. And it's one thing to do it one year and never do it again. It's if you go on that kind of a roll and then all of a sudden you never win a race again, something's up. Jeff Sarah has consistently won races. Nick Hastings consistently has won races for years. Mm -hmm. Like. They're just they they are that much better until the rest of us figure out how to beat them. They're not going to be beaten. Well, I'll tell you what, and Al Boykin says it here too, and and I agree with this comment. I do. There is just too much technology out there now. If someone gets caught, they'll find another way to do it. Definitely. I mean, there, there's not there's a lot of truth in that. Somebody gets caught. Number one, they're going to get caught, and then it's going to be on Facebook, you know, because I just told you, make sure you record everything if you're going to do it, right? The person who's doing the same thing is going to see, uh-oh, he got caught. I better move mine. That, it's just the way it's going to work, right? Right? And I, I want to go here, too, and we'll I'll take everybody's opinion and thought process on this. Do we think that cheating is actually relevant in bracket racing currently? Do we think that? Big money bracket racing is full and somebody's actually cheating. This is all opinion. It's a tough question to answer. But what's your stance, Casey? Do you think there is a a big group of or a small group of cheaters? Or is it just really and truly what we just said before? Uh, How is he winning all those races? Is he just that good? What do you think? Well, David, here's the bottom line is that I think, first of all, I think you'd be a fool to say absolutely there's no cheating going on anywhere when electronics are being used. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it would be. However, I don't think it's as rampant as everybody says that it is. Um, I think that I know for a fact if if I can race three-day races for a month straight and then I go into a regular weekly event, I'm going to go deep. And unless I just run into that bad guy, and the reason is, is because of seat time. Well, guess what? I would be, I think that you would not be out of line to say that people like Nick Hastings and Jeff Sarah, because they only go to big money races that run four times, you know, a week. Um, I would venture to say that in the prime time racing season of like, say, April or May, something like that. I mean, Nick Hastings is showing up to tracks on Wednesday or Thursday, test and tune a little bit, then run the gambler's race, then run a shootout race, they have that, then double enter 
Friday, Saturday, Sunday and run gamblers races those nights if they have them too. Those guys probably make more laps down the track in one month than most of us run all year. And who knows more of what it feels like to dial 610 or so mm-hmm. than Nick Hastings. <laughs> who knows how to get back to 462 or 458 or whatever it is more than Jeff Sarah. I mean, it just is what it is, man. Luke Bogak, he says it all the time with his uh, class racing type stuff. He has so much data that, I mean, that's why he's so good is because he's so good at data analysis. He has good equipment and he's a good driver. Um, I mean, it's just, you put all that together and that's why these type of people stand out. Gotcha. Gotcha. And as far as for me, I, I don't think there is as many, but I stand with Casey when, when he says it, it's electronics, it's computers. I'm a computer genius. I won't call myself a genius. That would be going too far. But I'm computer smart, um, a little advanced. And if you're using a computer, you can make it do anything. And we're using a couple. Uh, you can call a MSD box. You don't want to call it a computer. Fine. Call it a brain then. Call it something because it's just as smart, especially as that especially that grid system. And then you couple that with your race pack. And I think I saw this in the, in the chat here. I think it was Caputo who said it, but he said, what about the guys running the Holly EFI and, and this other uh, race pack system that reads the mile an hour at the top? Right, okay. I mean, there's many ways to skin a cat here, um, but you're using a computer. You're, you're gonna hook your computer into that thing when you're done to see what everything's going on. Um, there, there is possible and it is happening. So. I don't want to say that I'm naive to think it's not happening. It's out there. Um, so what do you guys think? I see Old Racer. What's up, youngsters? Good topics. He always calls us youngsters, doesn't he? <laughs> old Racer stepping in there. <laughs> George Hoff says, I'll say this. The guy that the guys that are wiring aren't cheating. <laughs> winning. You made it or winning. winning. Yes, right. He didn't say winning. Right. Well, there's, uh, I, think I, says, I think I think there's cheating, but I don't think the cheaters are the ones actually winning on a large scale. I agree with him that that's that's kind of my point. Uh, I think that. Uh, oh, there we go. Right at the hour mark. We, got the, uh, we got the spam coming in. Chip, chip, get him, chip. Get him right at the hour mark. And it's every time you notice that every time at the it's hour just, mark. But yeah, man, it's uh, no, I agree with I agree with David Hearn. The uh, I think, like I said, you know, I think that you would be, like you said, naive to think that nobody is doing anything. But I just don't think that you need to. I mean, think about it, man. How many people are in this chat right now that if we had a practice tree race right now would be double O every single time? Just one. Just one. Yeah. Just one. I mean. There's the thing is though, there's not just <laughs> one. There's probably half the chat. Right. We double up double the time. Right. No one's cheap. It's just right. that's how the cards fall. I mean, every once in a while, there have been times where it's been super, super late at night, and I'm like, dude, I'm super tired. I gotta work tomorrow. I gotta do all this stuff. And I'm like, whatever, I'm just rolling a ton out. And if I go red, I don't care. And I'll be double O two. And the next round I'll be double O one. And I just think there's people who race that way. Yep. I think they don't care. They're just like, I. if I am not red, I won this round. I, I think people race that way sometimes. I think Gary Williams, I think, races that way. I think that he sets up so tight where if he – and Jeff Sarah, if you look at his incrementals, a lot of times he sets up that way. If Jeff Sarah is green, a lot of the times you don't have a chance because I don't think anybody sets up tighter than him. 
Um, I think that's a true statement here. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump the director Jeff uh, Kreider again here. He says seat time, seat time. He says uh, like no other. I've made 54 hits at the tree in my Vega since Thanksgiving. 30 off the bottom and 24 off the top. I have confidence and can't wait to go racing, no matter what tree. Um, I think that's that, it's relevant, man. You get and then number two. All those hits he's got, he's got 54. The next race he goes out and he wins it, he's going to be a wrecking ball to take down after yeah. that. After you see that final win light, it's like, oh, that's what that felt like? I'm great. I'm getting ready to tear off into somebody, right? And there's something to be said about just flat out getting on a roll. Nobody's been on a roll like Hunter Patton and Jeff Sarah before in the history of bracket racing. And the thing is, it's like when you get on a roll, you're more willing to set up to be two or three on the tree because you have nothing left to prove anymore. Everybody knows how good you are and you you're willing to push it more because you have nothing to lose anymore. You've already won all your money. You're yep. only going to win more money. Yep. Yeah. No, that's, that's, it's an excellent topic. I do. I, I, I gotta stay with it. It's an excellent topic. We've come up on that one hour mark Casey, And that got here quick today. That, I mean, that got here real quick, not just because I have my hands full of trying to fix technical issues, uh, again, sorry guys, I can't cut your chat out. I'll have to follow a different way, uh, find a different way to add the chat that you guys are saying inside of these live streams to put them on the screen. I'll find another way to do it. This one just doesn't like uh, the program that I use, so it crashes me. But anyway, man, what you got in closing? Not a whole lot, man. Just as always, we just want to thank the sponsors of the Golden Bracket Racing YouTube channel, TSR Racing Products, BRG 3D Printed Parts, Champs Performance Parts, Syntex Printing. Get your shirts and all that kind of stuff over there. But more than anything, man, obviously hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. we got almost 2,900 people on Facebook page. Come on over and hit that subscribe button on, on the uh, YouTube side. So we got that over there, too. Get you guys notifications whenever anything is going on that way you can bounce back and forth just in case we do have technical difficulties only one ever goes down today facebook decided to stay up so uh and then obviously you know if you can't watch us live uh we'd love to have you chime in but of course we have the podcast too so you can always listen to us on the way to work the next day this one's going to be a little bit more difficult for me to cut together maybe uh, yeah maybe, maybe not later. too hard just use the facebook but i'm going to take my cue from Paige hamlin guys she just said in the chat, can't wait to hang out with y'all next week. Come on, hang out with us. Get to know the Hamlin uh, Motorsports uh, producer, I would like to call her, the promoter, whatever you want to call it. Going to put in, and, and, and I would say we're actually going to see Texas get put on the map pretty good here. Uh, I've already poked her a little bit to say, are you going to have a second race this year? I hope she says yes. She hadn't given me a, a definitive answer yet, but uh, I hope she says yes there because this is going to be a heck of an event, guys, and uh, looking forward to it. I know I rented a camper for this event that's going to be parked right next to my pit, and uh, it ought to be pretty fun. But I'm going to slide that uh, that flyer back in here for the six-shooter event and um, look forward to seeing all you guys come on out to uh, Extreme Raceway Park here in April uh, 22nd through the 24th. And, uh, man, let's have some fun out there, you know. But, Casey, what do we always say? I'm going to let you do the honors today. We'll see you next Tuesday. See you guys.